The Apostle Paul writes about a lot of different themes, uh, main doctrinal themes in, in the book of Romans. He closes out with a topic. What's the topic? What's the last topic he writes about? Come on, come on, come on. Service to God. Uh, see, that's why I repeat these things. Y'all ought to know it like that. More or less, he closes out Romans by talking about service in light of everything that he said in the book of Romans. In light of everything that Christ has done for us, we ought to serve him. One of the goals in serving God is that God would use us to build up others, to build each other up. Paul calls us to that in, in chapter 4. Or uh, not chapter 4, but chapter 14. And uh, when he writes these words, he says, So then let us pursue, let us chase after what makes for peace, what makes for mutual upbuilding. That's what he's calling us to do, to, to build each other up. And then when he left chapter 14 into chapter 15, and that's where we've been and where we finish up today, he gives us several things to look at that ought to help us be the kind of believers that build others up. Look at these topics that he writes about in, in chapter 15. Um, verse 1 through 7, he gave us the example of Christ. Jesus being a servant, so we should be servants. In verse 8 through 13, is what that should say, uh, the ministry of Christ. How the ministry of Jesus and what he did, how we ought to use that ourselves in, in serving others. Last week, we looked at the mission of Paul. Because Paul, as he writes some about his own ministry, focused on some actions and some attitudes that you and I need to portray and use in our lives to help us really build others up. The, the two huge attitudes that he talked about were, were, were these two. One, we need to be sure that we make it about Jesus and not ourselves. You know, church and our service to God ought to be about Jesus. It ought to be about others and, and serving God, not about ourselves. And the second main attitude Paul talked about last week was this. We need to make it about reaching others also and not just be inward focused uh, ourselves. Then we come to verse 22 and 33, and that's where we're uh, finishing up chapter 15 today. And I think in those verses, Paul's talking about supporting the mission. See, Paul had a mission from God. Paul was on a mission for God. Not like the Blues Brothers, you know, if you saw that movie. He was on a real mission for God. And he was on such a mission from God that we learned last week, Paul said that he had a clear heart that over a 1,400-mile range... He had fulfilled proclaiming the gospel. Now, I told you last week that doesn't mean that he had personally shared the gospel with every person in 1,400 miles, but it meant this, that he was at peace in his own heart, that he had done exactly what God had called him to do over 1,400 miles. Guys, I, I don't know about you, but that still haunts me. Last week, if you're here last week, I sat up here and had tears roll off of my cheek and here's why i i can't say that in my heart i feel like i've done everything that god would have me to do can you say that and yet the apostle paul in a day without 
automobiles or airplanes or buses or trains or the internet or anything like that said that he felt like he had done everything God wanted him to over 1,400 miles. And that just really blows me away. But we learned today that he also wasn't satisfied yet because he's going on a mission trip to Spain. And on the way to Spain, he wants to stop through Rome. And kind of like I said last week also, if I, I don't know. I think our tennis would be if we had done everything like that for 1,400 miles. Most of us would kind of think, wow, I, I'm done. <laughs> But Paul wasn't like that. He wasn't satisfied. And we need to be careful that we don't become satisfied. I'm thankful for everything that God has done for day three church in 10 years. But we cannot become satisfied and complacent. Paul said he had fulfilled everything God wanted him to over 1,400 miles. But he was still not satisfied. And he wanted to go where people had not heard the gospel and proclaim it to them. And he's on his way to Spain. And more or less what Paul does today is talk about supporting the mission. You see, Paul had a mission, but in order to carry out a mission, it requires support. It requires financial support. It requires prayer support and, you know, volunteerism support. It involves us using our time and our talents and our money to fulfill the mission that God calls us to. Paul had a mission I think Day 3 Church has a mission, and maybe some of you have not heard this, or maybe you've forgotten it, but we kind of cover some things like this in our in our membership classes. But, but here's the way I view the mission of, of Day 3 Church. We need to fulfill the eternal purposes of God. There, there are big things in the Bible. You can look at the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, and there are huge things in those two passages that pretty much we can park everything a church ought to do underneath those things. God has eternal purposes that, is, that have never changed. One's evangelism. One is discipleship. One is fellowship. Us, you know, building each other up. One is worship. As we come together to worship God. Another's ministry to where we minister to people. And those are, are five huge things you can find in the Great Commission and the Great Commandment that never, ever pass away. Our goal as a church is to fulfill those eternal purposes of God and lead each person to become a fully devoted follower, fully grown up, fully matured follower of Christ so they can reduplicate themselves and grow other people into being fully devoted followers. So Paul was on a mission that would need support. And I think Day 3 Church has a mission that, that I feel like that we're called to. And, and it will take support. Paul, as he writes to these believers in Rome, is giving them a call to action. A call to support the mission. And, and more or less, that's what I'm doing today for us. Is to give us a, a call to support the mission that God gives us. Here's the first thing if you're following along in the notes inside the updates and filling in the blanks. Here's the first thing I want you to notice in verses 22 and 24, Romans 15. Paul more or less does this. He makes some requests to support the upcoming mission. He writes these words to these believers in Rome. This is the reason why I so often been hindered from coming to you. Now, he's not saying that Satan was hindering him. He's saying the exact opposite. He's saying God had me here so busy fulfilling the mission of the gospel these 1,400 miles, I've not been able to come to you at Rome even though I wanted to. 
He's saying, I had an obligation here. I had a ministry here. But he says, but now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have so longed, and you see the the meaning of the word longed, to have this intense longing to to dote upon, to to intensely crave like a possession. He he said, "I've, I've longed for many years to come to you. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. That's his mission he's talking about. And notice this, what he says. And to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul's writing to these believers in Rome, saying, I've longed to come to you. I've not been able to because I've been busy here. But now God has set me free from the ministry here. I've got other places to go, other people that need to hear the gospel. And while I'm on my way to Spain, I want to stop by and visit with you a while. And while I'm there, I hope to be helped by you. I hope that you will support this mission. I hope that you will equip me and prepare me. The, the word that he uses for expect, he's, he's really like he's confiding in them. He, he said, I, when, I, when I come I, to, to see you, I'm, I, I, I want to look closely at you. It's what the word means. He's not just coming to kind of glance and pass through. He's, he's wanting to come and spend some time with these believers and closely observe their maturity. But he also says, I, I want to be helped on my journey. And, and that literally means to send forward or to escort or to aid in travel. So what Paul is doing is saying, when I come through Rome on my way to Spain, it'd be really great if you could provide some support. At the time Paul is writing this, and, and we'll get there in a moment in the text this morning, but at the time Paul's writing these words, he was in the midst of delivering an offering that had been taken by some Gentile churches. Believers in Macedonia and Achaia had decided to take an offering up. They had begged, you'll see see the words in a minute, they had begged to be allowed to help participate in an offering. And in this offering, what they were going to do is this. These Gentile churches are taking an offering up, and they're going to give it to Paul and some people that would go along with Paul to escort him, and they're going to take it over to Jerusalem to where there were some poor believers that needed help. So the background of what Paul is writing involves this offering that he's taken. And he tells them, on my way to Spain, by the way, it would be great if you could do the same thing for me. It would be great if you could provide some financial support on my journey, on my mission that I have before me. He's using an offering that two Gentile churches had helped to take up to send to needy believers, poor believers in Jerusalem. He's using that as a background illustration to also motivate these Roman believers to help support the mission. And my, my point is this. The, the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth supporting. We live in a culture where we are bombarded from requests on every corner, you know? And a lot of these things are good. A lot of these things are great. Whether it be civic organizations or whatever. I'm not shooting a civic organization. It's just an example of, of all the things that, you know, we are hit for, maybe requesting money and, 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 and things like that. But, but, but listen clearly. There is not anything on the face of this earth that is more worthy 
for us to support the mission of than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Supporting the mission of the gospel is the only thing that has eternal dividends. And Paul is encouraging these believers here at Rome as he's on his way to Spain for them to help support the mission. Today, we have believers, some from our church, who are on the ground in Africa. And they have been there putting a roof on a church and also going out and helping to share the gospel. They deserve our support because they are there on a mission from God. And you supported them, and I thank you for that. I'm just saying it is so worthy for us to support the mission of the gospel. We have in July a group that's leaving to go to Guatemala. To, and this is hard for us to conceive right here because we, how far can you drive in Caldwell County without bumping into a church? Huh? They're going to build a church in a village where there is no church. They have a, a mission before them. And just like Paul is saying, I'm on a mission beyond all that I've already done. I'm on a mission to go to Spain. And when I pass through Rome, it would be really good if you can support me on my way there. We need to view the opportunities that we have, such as Africa, such as Guatemala, as an opportunity for us to support the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give a certain percentage of everything that's given in our church to support missionaries through the Southern Baptist Convention to where they are on the field. And we get a chance through that little bit being divided out and churches cooperating together to support missionaries all across the world. We have the chance to support children's ministry and youth ministry and things that happen right here or men's ministry. Yesterday, the, the, the men did this uh, pig pick and this barbecue, uh, and it rained on us, so it didn't go exactly like we wanted it to because we wanted the bands to be in the parking lot. People ride by and see some of the bands we had playing here and things like that. Uh, but it went pretty good in, in, in spite of the rain. Uh, matter of fact, we had 22 uh, pounds of the, uh, of the pig picking left over that we were going to sell you, but the first service beat you to it, so we don't have anything, so I'm sorry. So, but the, the reason we did something like that was to support the mission of the gospel by our men being able to reach out and touch people's lives here in our own ministry. Paul's making a request for support by using an example of support that had already been given by the churches of Macedonia to meet the needs of people in Jerusalem. And he's making a petition to them to support him on this mission trip to Spain. And, and I guess what I'm doing today is making a petition to you to support the mission of the gospel at Day 3 Church. Paul made a request for support of the mission. But then he gives us some reasons why we ought to be supporting the mission. Some reasons for supporting the mission. Several reasons that we can find in verse 25 down through verse 33 as to why we ought to support the mission. Here's the first one. First reason why we ought to support the mission is the reason of a spiritual obligation. <clears throat> Look at what he writes. 
At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem. Like I said a moment ago, he's going to Jerusalem. He's taking this offering that had been given by people in Macedonia, believers there, Gentiles, non-Jewish believers, and also in Achaia, and he's taking it and he's going to give it to the poor in Jerusalem. He said to aid the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia, those two Gentile churches I just mentioned, have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. And notice this, he says, and indeed they owe it. In other words, they have an obligation to do it. They were pleased to do it, and they indeed owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. Now, what's he talking about? See, the, the, the Gentile believers, those in Macedonia, and those in Achaia who had heard the gospel and received the gospel, and now they're saved for all eternity. The scriptures that told them about Jesus, guess who God used to write the scriptures? The Jews. The Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ himself. Guess which race of all the people on the earth that Jesus was born through? The Jews. So what Paul is saying is this, these Gentile believers have a spiritual obligation to help provide the monetary support of these poor believers in Jerusalem because they have benefited from the gospel that God sent into the world through the Jews. That put them underneath an obligation to participate in this contribution. The, the word for contribution literally means partnership or participation. These believers were sharing together. And you see, we ought to do the same thing. Regrettably, you know what happens a lot in churches? How many ever heard of the 80-20 rule? And, you might, and then I'll tell you what it is. Here, here's, my, here's my twist on the 80-20 rule. Of what I've been told all my life and what I've seen most of the time I've been in the ministry. And that is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And instead of 100% of the people sharing to do everything that God's called them to do. God's goal is for all of us to participate. For all of us to give. For all of us to volunteer. For all of us to pray. For all of us to do whatever we can to support the, the mission of the gospel. And we've got a picture here of these two churches in Macedonia and Achaia, they, they are participating together to give. And Paul said they ought to do it because they're debtors to the Jews. See, you, you and I as believers, we need to remember something. You and I are debtors to the Jews for the same reason. God used them to give us the Scriptures. God used them to give us the Savior. But it's not so much us being an obligation to the Jews. We're under an obligation to Jesus Christ who came into this world and loved us and took our place and went to a cross and was nailed there and shed his blood for my sin and for your sin. That through faith in him and him alone, we can have everlasting life. All of us who know Christ, we're under an obligation to support the mission of the gospel. In light of what he did for us, in light of what he has Paid for us. Man, you guys are quiet. Do you believe that's true? Jesus died on the cross. Should we not support the mission of the gospel? 
Okay, I want to be sure if someone wasn't saying, oh, we come to church and he's preaching on giving. I'm just telling you what the Bible says and what Paul was doing here and how Paul is saying, look, I've, I've taken this offering up. I'm getting ready to go on a mission. It would be really, really great if you could help empower that mission. Did you notice what Paul wrote about these, these Gentile believers? He said they were what? Pleased to do it. <laughs> I've never been around many groups that were just pleased to take an offering up. But, but Paul says that they, they were actually pleased to give. He, he writes more about this in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 through 4. Same offering he's talking about. But he gives us a pattern that we ought to follow for our giving today. Paul said, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of the week, each one of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collected. And when you read the tense of that in the Greek, it means so that one of to be an emergency offering when he comes. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Now, now, here's what Paul's telling us. He's saying the, the pattern that we ought to follow in giving is that, one, we plan to do it. And we set it aside. You know what I'm afraid happens, and, and it's easy to fall into this trap, so I'm not shooting at you because the trap's hit me before too and everything. But you know what I think we tend to do a lot of times? We tend to do everything else we think we have to do with our money, and then if there's enough left over, we'll give some to God. When the pattern that Paul talks of and the Scripture talks of, we're to set it aside first and have that prepared, pre-planned to, to give. Most of you have been around here very long, heard me tell this before. And it's kind of, I didn't know my father-in-law was going to be here today and, and everything. And uh, uh, part, part of mine and Becky's practice and giving down through the years is his fault. <laughs> because right after we were married, in my mind, I was thinking, man, if, if we try and tithe, we'll be bankrupt. And he was speaking at Baptist Men Day at our home church, and I heard him give a message on tithing. <laughs> uh, I remember when Becky and me were dating some, he had this old white Rambler station wagon, and the back window wouldn't stay up a lot of times. Because I was riding in the back sometimes when I, he was taking us somewhere before I could... Could, could drive and, and, and things like that. And I can, uh, you know, the, the window would fall down sometimes. And, uh, um, I didn't like it falling down or being down because it might make him look in the back. And I'm trying to sneak a kiss from his daughter, you know, or something like that. But I, but I, but I, I remember, you know, somebody saying to him once and he, and he shared it that Sunday. Well, why don't, why don't you do better and buy another car? And he said, if I have to buy it with God's money, I'm not going to buy it. So I had that example thrown before me, and I had to go home and start tithing. I'm not bankrupt yet. See, here, here's, here's the thing about it. God can take the 90% that he tells us to keep and make it go a whole lot further than the 100% if we kept it and managed it ourselves. 
And, and, and if we will give what He asks us to, to give to Him. We're, we're to set it aside so that it doesn't have to be an emergency offering. Go back to the 80-20 rule I was talking about a, a moment ago. I, I think that's probably true of giving too. There's about you know 20% of the people give 80% of the money that's given in a church. You know what would happen if everyone set aside the 10% that God asked you to give? It all belongs to Him anyway. He doesn't need it, but He wants you to trust Him instead of trusting your own pocketbook. You know what would happen if all of us would give the way God wants us to give? You would never have to have an emergency offering. We wouldn't have to have a motorcycle ride to help raise more money to go build a church in Guatemala because we'd already have it there in the account. We could just say, here, you guys go build a church. Thank God for it. If people would all give, not just the 20%, but if we would all give, if we would set it aside so there would not have to be any emergency. And there's accountability built into it. Do you see what Paul said about the accountability? He said there's going to be people that you've assigned to go with me to manage it. You know, even the apostle Paul, it would be a temptation to go and have the money by himself. So he said, there's going to be people going with me. And we try to do that and have accountability here in our church about our giving and how the, how the money is used. So I, I just want you to understand he gives us a plan there about how we ought to give. He also writes about how these Macedonian believers begged to be able to participate in the offering. He said, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the Gentiles of Macedonia. He refers to the offering as the grace of God. And he said, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, now, please notice what he said. Paul didn't say that the believers in Macedonia and Achaia are doing really good and they've got so much money they can do anything they want to with it. He said they're having a tough time too. They're going through suffering too. They're in, in, they're in a difficult strait themselves. But, but he said even though that's the case, it overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own free will. Then notice what Paul has the audacity right. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Did you see that? He just said they were begging to give. wonder how many weeks we'd have to go without taking an offering up before somebody come up and say, Pastor, I think we need to take an offering. Pastor, I, I want to take an offer. Let's take one up. I, I want to give. Let's get the chance to give. And that's what these believers were doing in Macedonia. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. And that's the key right there. See, we, we need to give ourselves to the Lord, lock, stock, and barrel, to where we understand our all is God's. Our bank account, our time, our talents, we're all of us. We, we belong to God. And then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, he's telling the Corinthian church, oh, look, you need to go ahead and take the offering up. Look, these others have, you've not yet. But he said, but as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness, those are the kinds of things we focus on a lot at church. We want to have a lot of faith. We, you know, we want to be able to, uh, you know, proclaim the gospel as we should. We want to have a lot of spiritual knowledge. We want to be earnest. We, we want to, you know, practice love. But he says, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Paul calls 
cross given an act of grace. And it's something we need to strive to excel in ourselves. And then Paul writes about the impact of this giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 11 through 15. Guys, instead of me reading that, I'm just going to break it down. I'm just going to pass that. Let me break it down. We'll read it as we go. What happens when we give? Well, an inward thing happens. Because he says, you will be enriched in every way for all your generosity. An inward thing takes place. We ourselves can be enriched or blessed by our giving. And I'm not preaching health and wealth, and that's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying like the TV evangelist will tell you, well, if you give, then God's going to give it back to you. He might, but I'll tell you what, there's some, some bigger blessings that we can get out of giving that are spiritual than anything monetary that can ever come our way. Just to know we've been obedient and God has used it to bless somebody else ought to bless us. Second thing that takes place, not just an inward impact, but there's an outward impact. He goes on, he says, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Why will, be, why will people be thankful to God? He said, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. In other words, as we give, it can be used to bless other people to where there's an outward impact of our giving, and they in turn thank God. And there's also an upward impact of our giving. Our giving produces glory to God. He said, for by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. And they will long for you and pray for you and because of this surpassing grace of God upon you. And our motive is this. Look at the next slide. Here's our motive. We ought to give because of God's inexpressible gift. Now, what's, what's Paul talking about there? I'll, I'll show you what I don't think he's talking about. As happy as Paul was that the Gentile believers in Macedonia and Achaia were taking an offering up to go and give it to the poor in Jerusalem, that offering was not the inexpressible gift I don't think that he's talking about. The inexpressible gift is Jesus Christ himself. The the inexpressible gift is that God so loved the human race that had rebelled against him and deserved separation from God for all eternity. But God so loved the human race that he became flesh and sent his son into this world to grow up and die on a cross. That's the inexpressible gift of God. You, You can't even describe it. You can't even fully proclaim how great that gift is. And in light of his inexpressible gift, we ought to give. We ought to be motivated to give ourselves. The first reason we ought to give is there's a spiritual obligation that we have in light of what God has done for us through Christ to give. Second reason we ought to give is this. We ought to give because of Christian love. Because of Christian love. He said, when therefore I have completed this, in verse 28 and 30, when I have completed this and delivered to them what is being collected. He's talking about the offering. When he takes it to Jerusalem, he's going to leave Jerusalem after he drops the offering off, and he's headed to Spain by way of you, going through Rome. 
I know when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Now, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Some translations also say this. Once I have sealed them to this fruit. So, so Paul looks at giving as being a fruit. And he said, once I have sealed them. He, he means once I've delivered this offering from these Gentile churches to the believers in Jerusalem. After I take this fruit there. So he refers to giving being a way of bearing fruit. You and I can bear fruit to God as, as we give. But Paul says, after I do that, I'm going to come to you with a full blessing of, of Christ. Some people have interpreted that to mean that, that Paul is saying, because the word means to be full of fine speaking, elegance of language, commendation, or eulogy, or adoration, that Paul is saying this, once I drop this offering off, I'm going to leave for Spain. I'm going to come to Rome. And when I come to Rome, I'm going to come and I'm going to be there as the Apostle Paul. And I and listen, I'm the Apostle Paul. You need to listen when I get there because I'm a really good speaker. And I've got a lot of things to tell you. See, I don't think that's what Paul is saying. I think what Paul is really saying is this. Once I drop the offering off in Jerusalem, when I come to you, I'm going to have a good report to tell you about how that offering impacted the lives of the poor people in Jerusalem. I'm going to come and bring you a fine speech about that. I'm going to come and give you a report about how God used the giving of the believers of Macedonia and Achaia to touch the lives of poor people in Jerusalem. I will come and give you a report of that. I love reports after mission trips. When they come back from Africa, our church in First Baptist, we don't have a date yet, but there's some people from First Baptist Hudson. We went there to have the meal. We're going to come together for an evening worship service, and, and, and the ones on the mission trip are going to share with us what happened there. When, when, when UTH has been to, to Guatemala before, they've come back, and they've told us. And, you know, after they go this time, they've got to come back, and you've got to tell us what happened. Because that's something great to hear, how God used our giving, how God used people to, the impact, to impact the lives of others. But I want you to know what Paul appeals them to do. He, he said, I appeal to you in verse 30, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. You see, supporting the mission, yes, it involves finances, it involves our giving, but you know what it also involves? Supporting the mission involves our prayers. Paul is inviting them. He's calling them near. That's what the, the word for appeal means. And I want you to notice how he calls them to pray. He said, based upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The, those words there mean this, based upon the one that's supreme in authority, whose very name means salvation, who is the anointed one, the Messiah of God, I'm imploring you, based upon all that Jesus is, to pray for me. 
I'm imploring you based upon the love, the agape love of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm imploring you, I'm asking you, I'm appealing with you to strive together with me in prayer. And the word that he uses for strive together with means to struggle in company with or to be a partner or an assistant. The root word literally talked about wrestling in order to win a prize. So Paul uses an athletic term and he says, here's the way I want you to pray. I want you to pray for me with as much energy and passion as you would if you were in the middle of a wrestling match trying to win it. I want you to strive in that way as though you're wrestling. That's how I want you to pray for me. That's the way we need to be praying right now for the missionaries from here that are in Africa and the missionaries that we support through our giving through the Southern Baptist Convention. That's how we need to be striving right now to pray for them as they go to Guatemala. Terry up here at the front, I felt to mention earlier, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, she's preparing to try and get to Africa for a year to work with Wycliffe Bible translators. We're going to be doing a concert next month to try and raise some extra funds for her but we need to be making commitments to financially support and to prayerfully support her as she goes we need to wrestle and put that much energy into supporting the mission because the mission is the gospel of jesus christ and he gives us one last reason in verse 31 through 33 why why we need to support the mission. We need to do so because of a spiritual obligation. We need to do so because of Christian love, the love of the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts and wrestle in prayer as we support the mission. But Paul also tells us another reason for supporting the mission's Christian unity. He said that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea Paul's getting ready to go take the offering. Remember what we're talking about? From the Gentile churches to Jerusalem. He's anticipating trouble already. You want to know why he's anticipating trouble? Because there were Judaizers there. There were people who were still holding to Judaism. And there were even Christian Jews there who were still holding on to the law. And here the Apostle Paul shows up saying it's not about circumcision. It's not about all your rules. It's not about ritual. It's about the grace of God and that Jesus finished the work on the cross. Paul knew there were some that were not happy with him. They'd already tried to kill him before. So he, he said, pray for me that I might be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service to Jerusalem may be acceptable by the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Part of the goal in the offering that was being taken Yes, the, the goal was to give money from the Gentile churches to the poor believers in Jerusalem so their needs could be met. You want to know what the other part of it was? To heal a rift that existed between Jewish believers in Jerusalem and Gentile believers outside Jerusalem, non-Jewish believers. Because of things like the Jewish believers saying, you have to be circumcised first. I mean, it's almost like they were looking at themselves as, you ever heard, you know, the way you used to do it? You ever have little cliques and clubs and things like that when you're growing up? Well, if you want to be part of our club, you have to do this. Well, it's like the Jews are saying, if you want to be part of our club, you've got to be circumcised. 
Or you have to obey this ritual, or you have to do this. You have to obey the law in order to be part of it. And, and the truth of the matter is, that's not the case at all. It's the grace of God that saves the Jew. It's the grace of God that saves the Gentiles. But because of that division that had taken place there, Paul was hoping it would be healed when all of a sudden he shows up to these believers in Jerusalem. And he says, these Gentile believers loved you enough to take up this offering and had us to bring it to you to help meet your needs. Do you see how that would provide unity? How that would tender their hearts? And part of the goal that I think God has for us as we support the mission of the gospel together is that we experience unity. You don't get unity with the 80-20 plan. You know what you get with the 80-20 plan? You get 20% of the people that work themselves to death being frustrated with the rest of the people that aren't doing anything. But if all of us will do our part in giving or in serving however God's equipped us and be praying for the mission of the gospel as we should, we can have unity and we will do much more for the kingdom of God with unity than we ever could with dissension and division. Think about this. Imagine how much of a grander impact the church will make right now in this world if all the church, if all true Christians were unified in the mission of spreading the gospel. I know we've got denominational tags and everything like that, but what I'm saying is this. If every church that is a church of true belief, of true faith, regardless if they say they're a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church or a Pentecostal church or a Baptist church or whatever the case is, if we would all join hands together to support the mission of the gospel, can you imagine the impact we'd make in this world? That's why we need to... Support the mission together because of Christian unity. Paul closed with these words. He said this. It's like a prayer that he's making for the church in Rome. And since it's in the Bible, it's also a prayer for us as believers because God has left it there for our benefit too. Paul wrote these words. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Here's what he's saying. May the God that joins us together, the God of peace, we once were separated by sin, but God underneath the banner of Jesus, by faith in Jesus Christ, joins us together. May the God of peace, the God that joins us together, be with you. And the tense there means that he is with you. He accompanies you as a believer wherever you go. May the God that joins us together accompany us. All, he said, each and every one of us. And then he said, Amen. In other words, that's a true saying. Now think about all he's just talked about. He, he was just talking about supporting the mission. Amen. That's what he's talking about. And then he closes with this prayer, this blessing. I think here's the intent of it. Paul calls the believers in Rome to support the mission that he's on. He's going to come see them. He's going to go on to Spain. And he's calling upon them to help support the mission, just like the Macedonian believers did for the church in Jerusalem. He's asking them to support the mission. 
And then he says this, by the way, the God that joined us together, he's with you all the time, so you can do it. Amen? The God that joined us together is with our team in Africa right now, helping them do what God's called them to. The God that joined us together will be with the group that goes to Guatemala in July to help them do what he's called them to do. Or with Terry, when she gets to leave in August to go to Africa, he will be with her to help her do what she needs to be. And whatever it is you're doing or whatever God calls you to do in this place for him, that same God, the God that joins us together, is with you to help you do exactly what he calls you to do. I, I hate, and most of you probably know this, but I hate, I hate with a passion for God to put a scripture in front of me where I have to talk about giving. I hate to talk about giving. You know why I hate to talk about it? And I've had to do it more in the last year or two than I ever have the whole time I've probably been in the ministry. But I hate to do it because my personal experience down through the years of ministry, you preach on giving one Sunday, they give less the next. We'll show you, talk to us about giving. Another is, I've just got this innate fear that, you know, that, that, that people will come and, and, and hear a message on giving and say, oh yeah, they, they're wanting more money, that's all it's about, they're wanting more money. No, it's not about money, it's about supporting the mission of the gospel of Christ. And there is not anything on the face of this planet that is more worthy to support than the mission of Christ. We need to support it with our finances. We need to support it with our prayers. We need to support it with our physical bodies as we volunteer and use our talents to serve Him. And we can do it because the God of peace is with us all. Let's pray. Father, God, forgive us for all the times we've put ourselves first instead of your kingdom. Forgive us that that we have failed many times to set aside first, to put you first, to trust you more than we trust our own ability to manage our finances. God, help us to rise above an 80-20 plan to where we have 100% of believers doing everything that you've called them to do. Lord, help us to see we're under a spiritual obligation to support the mission. You sent your Son to die on the cross for us. God, help us to see, based upon Christian love, the Holy Spirit of God living in our lives, in our hearts, God, motivate us to give. Help us to have the desire to give, to be pleased to give, to even beg to give. God, based upon your love in our hearts, call us, motivate us to wrestle in prayer, to pray over your mission, your ministry that you've called us to. God, help us to have unity and do it together for your honor and for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.